so glad you're here, glad you made it, and uh, if you're new at Centerpoint, my name's John, I'm lead pastor here, and glad you're our guest. Definitely stop by the blue tables after service so we can uh, help you get connected here. And uh, I'm starting off a new series called Rhythm, so if you're new with us, I would challenge you to make a commitment to stick with me for four weeks. Sometimes when we give ourselves to something for a period of time, we see better results than if we would just, you know, try it once. So... Stick with me for four weeks. Watch what God might do in your life. So uh, a series called Rhythm, I I thought about this series a a good number of months ago, but just a couple of weeks ago, I started really thinking about, all right, what's on on my mind? What seems to be on God's heart? What's in his word about this? And I was trying to think about what the scriptures had to say about rhythm, but all I could think about were these songs like these songs were in my mind and I couldn't get rid of them. And the, the first song that came into my mind when I started thinking about rhythm was, the rhythm is gonna get you, the rhythm is gonna get you, and Gloria Estefan was messing with me, you know? I never knew that rhythm was such a menacing oppositional force until Gloria told me, the rhythm is gonna get you, the rhythm is gonna... And then uh, after, after I was done with Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine, then Corona started messing with me, saying, it's the rhythm of the night, oh yeah, 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 it's the rhythm of my life. D- does anybody not remember those songs? Come on. And, and so... That, that was up in there, and, and then I was remembering Janet Jackson and her crew singing, we're all part of a rhythm nation, and, and, and I just couldn't shake that for a while, and then I was thinking, you know, it must have just been a phenomenon of the, the late 80s and early 90s. It just must have been that, right? But no, no, because a couple decades earlier, Johnny Cash already had it going, and he was singing, get rhythm, ding, 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 when you've got the blues, ding, get rhythm, when you've got the and so he got it. And then you go even back before that, and Ella Fitzgerald is singing, I got rhythm, and I got music, and I got my man, and who could ask for anything more? And, and, and you know, there's, there's, this, uh, there's, this, there's this trend, there's this theme of, of songs with the title Rhythm in, in it somehow. And actually, I found that there's more than 50 uh, Billboard top songs with the word rhythm in the title. And I think it's because deep down, there, there's something foundational about rhythm in the experience of being human. I mean, when you really think about it, you are rhythm. <laughs> I mean, right from the moment you were conceived, right from the moment you were conceived, your essence was a rhythm of multiplication as two became four, became eight, became 16, became 34. And you were a, a rhythm of a multiplying of cells. And, and then there were these humans around you that were waiting for weeks until about week eight or so, maybe week nine, where they could put a device up to you because they wanted to hear a rhythm. They wanted to hear that whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. That rhythm that proved that you existed, you know? They were looking for that. And then when you finally made your grand entrance into this planet, they put up a stethoscope to your chest so that they could hear that bum, 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 bum. Because in the very essence of your being, rhythm is part of who you are. And then you exist in this universe created by our God that is all based on, founded on this 
rhythm that just doesn't stop, right? There's the, the rhythm of the, the, the sun and, and then the earth rotating around the sun and our whole solar system in its own orbit throughout this universe. And then there's this perfect rhythm of our planet around the sun bringing us our days and our nights as the planet spins in perfect rhythm. And then there's this rhythm of a tilt of the earth on its axis just right so that we have this rhythm of seasons of Spring, summer, winter, fall, unless we live in Marietta, and then it's more like spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, but it's still a rhythm. It's a rhythm, and, and our God, as you, as you think about it, has designed this world in which we live with this perfect rhythmic health, and, and he's actually designed you and I to discover how to live with a, a rhythmic health in our daily lives. And in this series, that's what I want to dive into. I want to dive into an understanding of what the Word of God would show us about how to live with a healthy rhythm in our lives, to sync up with what God has done in the natural order, in all of creation, but in a human way, so that we are able to live with a rhythm that's healthy, that's life-giving, that's replenishing. I want that. And I think there's probably something down in each side of every single one of us that also wants that, to be able to live with a healthy rhythm that's replenishing. And if you and I are going to live with a healthy life rhythm that's replenishing, we must learn how to live from a connected center, that the very core of our being could be connected to our creator, connected to our God, and receiving from him everything that we need at the deepest place of who we are. So you might have thought, rhythm, oh, healthy life rhythm. Maybe we're going to talk about uh, our calendars and how to schedule less meetings and learn how to say no. <laughs> That's all good. It has its place. But I think we need to step back to someplace deeper and, and to an understanding that what we need is for our heart, our spirit, our soul within us to be able to live in a rhythm of connection with our creator. That's what we're going to understand in God's word today. There's a moment that's recorded where Jesus is with his disciples, lots of them, many disciples. And among the disciples, there were a few in particular he wanted to call out. And this is what we read in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him, those he wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority over demons, and on one hand, this is a moment, it's just kind of a snapshot moment, it's one of those moments in the scriptures where you can kind of imagine a scene, and, and, and then it's over, but within this scriptural moment where Jesus is picking the 12 disciples, there's something that takes place that has a kind of a cadence to it. It has a, a kind of a time signature to it, a, a downbeat and an upbeat, if you will. It was in verse 14, and so we go back there for a moment and, and take this in. In verse 14, it said, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Why don't you read this verse with me? Ready? Go, read it. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And so there's this cadence, they might be with him, that he might send them out, might be with him, they might be sent out, be with him, be sent out by him, be with him. 
be sent out by him, and that's the rhythm. That's the rhythm that our, our inner being needs most. To be sent out is crucial. I mean, so many of us are, are, are sent out into such amazing things in this world. You know, some of us are sent out into classrooms and schools where we have influence over hundreds of students, and, and, and it's vital that we be sent out, and some of us are sent out into the marketplace where we're creating a business that serves clients' needs and answers a problem that had to be solved. Others of us were sent out into hospitals where patients' lives are in our hands, and others of us were sent out onto jobs sites where we're going to be constructing something that's going to be there for people. Some of us are sent out into military outposts where we're serving to protect. Others were sent out into our first responder assignments for the protection and welfare of many others. And, and we could go on, but, but we are sent out. But in order to be sent out and arrive full, we have to have the rhythm of being with him, be with him, be sent out by him. But be with him. Be with him. Be with the one who is able to fill you up on the inside. Be with him who can give you hope. Be with him who can heal the broken stuff inside so that when you're sent, you arrive with a healing presence. Be with him, the one who is able to give you wisdom and insight so that as you're sent, you come with answers. Be with him, the one who is all creative genius in a, in, in a moment and so you can be sent out ready to create ingeniously. Be with him. Be sent out by him. Do you catch the rhythm? It's what we're made for. It's what we're made for, and, and I'm urging you today to catch this rhythm and decide to live with this rhythm so that you can experience what it's like to be sent by him because you have been with him. It's the rhythm we need, and so the message today is an invitation. It's an invitation to learn to build your life on a rhythm of reconnection with the Redeemer. That's what I think we are made for, to build our lives on a rhythm of reconnection with our Redeemer. I hope you'll take it personally today. And I hope that you might even embrace this as a resolve, a, a declaration for your life where you would say, this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be one who will build my life on a rhythm of reconnection with my Redeemer. This is what we get to do. It's what we're made for. It's what God has for us. And so I want us to spend a little bit of time today in John chapter 15. So why don't you go ahead and turn there now to John chapter 15. Don't everybody open your Bibles at once, but <laughs> open up the Bibles at once to John chapter 15. And you can get there on a Bible app on your phone, but I want you to take to heart the words of Jesus and know him as your redeemer. Know him as the one who looks at you and sees this inherent value that was worth paying the price for. And reconnect with him today and make it a rhythm of life for always. So... John chapter 15, this is Jesus meeting with his disciples, and, and it's the Last Supper. He's gathering his disciples for what will be the last time that while he was alive in the flesh, he would sit and eat a meal with them. And, and so they're hanging on every word. And after the meal is done, and after the events of the next couple days with the crucifixion, John captures the words, remembering everything Jesus said, because it, it was profound and powerful, and, and it had to be recorded. It had to be amplified. It had to be remembered. It had to be communicated to me, to you. It's a word from Jesus to disciples. That's me. That's you. That's any one of us that would turn to Jesus and say, teach me. So this is what he says. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I love that. I love that when Jesus thinks about you and me and our lives, that what he imagines is fruitfulness. He imagines you being a mighty you, making stuff happen, doing something meaningful and impacting this world and making something of significance. This is what Jesus envisions, that that you would live your life in such a way that, that the things that you're going after, you have the strength to accomplish. That the dreams he's stirred up in you, you have the fuel to go for it and see it happen. That, that you would be productive, that you'd have a life that matters, that, that you existed will have mattered. It's what he's envisioning, and it brings glory to God. I love that. I'm grateful that Jesus looks at us that way, aren't you? That he's eager to see good things grow out of your life. And in order for that to happen, though, There has to be a rhythm that's sustainable. I remember uh, back in my own personal ancient history, when I lived in Santa Barbara, I was a worship pastor of a small church. And uh, so I was leading the the band. And in a little church, we had just three guys that played the drums. And um, there was this one guy that played the drums. And every time he played the drums, we would start an upbeat song that was nice and fast, and he would turn it into a slow dance every time. He was that drummer that just went slower and slower and slower. <laughs> it, was, it was really, like, it messed with us. All of us that were on the, on the band, we wanted to just make the song happen, but he was just so sluggish that it would just slow it down to nothing. It was, ah. And then there was this other guy that whenever he played the drums, he was born in the Energizer Bunny Factory or something, because every time he wanted to play, he would speed the song up 30, 40%, and, and, and we would be so frenetic, you know, so crazy in the pace of things that we thought we were going to lose our minds. And in our lives, things can get to those extremes. We can get to the point where it's so sluggish that, that the things that we're made to accomplish just aren't even happening, because all we're doing is a whole bunch of nothing. But it can also get to the point where the pendulum swings this way and the pace is so fast that we feel like we're going to lose it. And neither is what we're made for. Neither is sustainable. Neither is what leads to the the fruitful life that brings the Father glory. But what, what we are made for is something different. I remember in that worship band in Santa Barbara, there were, these, uh, there were these two guys, this one guy in particular, Patrick. And whenever Patrick would play the drums, 
it was amazing because Patrick was a classically trained musician's musician. He went to music school, man. He was a, a jazz drummer. And when he would sit down at that drum set, magic would happen. And, and then when Joe Ferrario was playing bass with him, whoo, watch out. Because in music, in a band, what makes the difference is when you've got a, a bass player and a drum player who can lock in together. And that bass drum and the bass instrument come together and you just all of a sudden feel it in your gut, you feel this There it is, Donovan. That's for the next uh, service. You can take that one. Anyway, when that happens, when, that, when there's that lock-in that happens between the bass and the, and the drum, it creates this groove that just, it, it, it is right in every way. And there's something effortless about it. And, and when I was playing with those two guys, I would sometimes turn around to look at them, and, and you know, at first, I'm thinking, this is so good, what they're playing. This is so good. They must be working so hard. They must be, like, going crazy working hard. But I'd turn around, and I'd look, and, and there would be Patrick on the drums. He's just, like, on another planet somewhere, you know? <laughs> and then Joe, I'd turn and look at him, and he's, like, up on a cloud somewhere. And don't worry, no, they were not on drugs. This was a worship band. They were just amazing musicians, and they had gotten into that groove, that, that unforced rhythm. And it was the result of, of, first of all, listening. I mean, doing a lot of good listening, listening to what the other people in the band were bringing, and then giving, but also holding back a lot and synchronizing, locking in on that time signature. And I guess that's what I want for us today. I want us to learn how to lock in on that, on that rhythm, that be with him, sent out by him. Be with him, sent out by him. Because I think it will be life-giving for every one of us to whatever degree we can. But Jesus, before he addresses our need to reconnect with him, he addresses something that the Father needs to do in our lives if we're going to really live a life of reconnecting with the Redeemer. And he talks about it in, 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 in a metaphor. He says, my Father's the gardener. It's metaphorical language, but it's illustrating something that, that our God must do in our lives. And in verse 2 is where it says it. It says, my father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. This, this is one of those things that doesn't immediately seem uh, all that good, but it's absolutely essential, pruning. And if we're going to live a, a life built on a rhythm of reconnection with our Redeemer, there's probably some pruning that's going to need to happen. I remember where, where we used to live. Uh, I had planted in the front yard these little rose bushes. And, and then depending on the season, between the rose bushes, I would, I would plant these little petunias or gardenias or these little flowers. And, and I, I loved them. I was the gardener, and those were my flowers. And I, I was proud of them. I liked to see them bloom and blossom and grow. But then I remember in a certain season, I came out and I noticed, wow, the leaves on the flowers are getting chomped away and chewed up and destroyed. What is going on? And, and, and I saw on the roses, there were these nasty little aphid-type flies covering all of the branches and flowers. And I thought, this is disgusting. And as the gardener, what am I going to do? Just leave it be that way? 
No way, I went down to Lowe's. I got all the poisons that I could possibly purchase. And I came home and I sprayed those roses and I put the snail poison out, stuff that's probably illegal in 2019. I just put it all out there and, and, and why? Because I loved my flowers. And I wasn't gonna just let the stuff that was gonna destroy them stay. And the other thing about those roses, when they would begin to bloom and produce these beautiful flowers, you know what I would come along and do? Just after they had produced these beautiful flowers, I would come along and pop off the deadheads, pop them off one after another, just pop them off, just pop them off almost violently. <laughs> Why? Because I loved my roses, and I wanted to see more of them grow. And so the dead ones that were going to take the energy away from the plant had to be dealt with. And when I would see the kind of dry stick part of the rose pushing out this way, I would come along with my shears and just cut it off. And at the end of the season, I would come along to those rose bushes and I would chop off every one of those branches down to the nub to the point where it practically looked dead. And my kids were like, Dad, I thought you loved the roses. Why'd you kill them? You know, Because I do love them. And wait, just watch what happens in the next season because of the pruning we just did. But in our lives, there's something similar that may need to take place. The goal that God has for us is that in following Jesus, we'd actually begin to look more like him. And so the implication is that from time to time, there are things in our lives that have to go. That he looks at and says, yeah, you might not think it's that big a deal, but, but those desires that you're nursing and thinking are so important to, to go after, they're not going to make you more like Jesus, and so they've got to go. God might look at you and me and, and, and say, you know what, that attitude that you have about those people and about that circumstance, that attitude is like a, a dry branch going off this way, taking the energy, is not going to help you to be more like Jesus. It's got to go. God is the gardener. He comes sometimes into our lives out of his love for us, out of his desire to see us be fruitful, and does some pruning. And I wonder if maybe right now there might be some things that he would speak to us about that just need to be dealt with, that need to be pruned so that we can be even more fruitful. Got real quiet. <laughs> John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Actually, I want you to read this verse with me out loud with one strong voice. Ready, go. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> Jesus is wanting to make sure that the, the record is set straight. Because sometimes we, like those disciples, can get ourselves all worked up into feeling like, it's all on me, everything depends on me, I have to make everything happen. Is it only me? <laughs> And Jesus is wanting to make sure that we understand the dynamic correctly, that, that he is the one who makes it happen. And that we're meant to be connected to him. And inasmuch as we would be connected to him, remaining in him, he will flow into and through our lives in such a way that the things that need to happen will absolutely happen because he will be making sure it does. But the pressure needs to be off you and me just a little bit. And so he says, I want you to get this mental picture in, in your brain. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Some of us need to hear that deeply today. 
He says it to you. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Sometimes what I like to do with God's word is to personalize it. So to take these words of Jesus that he has spoken to me and to speak them back to him in a way that reflects that I get what he said. So I might look at this word and say, if I remain in you and you in me, I'll bear much fruit. I want you to try that with me one time. Just personalize this verse of scripture and just say it. Just say, if I remain in you and you in me, I will bear much fruit. Say it again. If I remain in you and you in me, I will bear much fruit. There's a simple kind of a confidence that comes with understanding what Jesus has given us in this picture, that he is the source. We are a conduit through which all of his goodness is going to flow, and what we must do is remain in him. I love the way the New King James puts this verse. You know, it, it says it a little bit differently. And in verse uh, four in King James, it says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So that word abide, we don't tend to use the word abide very often in our everyday speech these days, but it's a good word. You know what comes to my mind when I hear the word abide? Is what I like to do in the shower in the morning. Like just linger in the steam and the hot water a lot longer than I should and, and just you know, enjoy the soothing, calming temperature and, and experience of breathing in the hot vapor. I mean, come on, am I the only buddy who person who likes to stand in the, in the shower a little too long and abide there, right? But I, I want to I stay there because it's so comforting and soothing and life-giving. And something like that is, I think, what Jesus wants for you and I to imagine, being with him, abiding in him, is so valuable. Can I just take a minute and tell you why the abiding in Jesus' life is so valuable? The abiding life is so valuable because the more you abide in him, the more his character is going to be shaped in you. And when the character of Christ is shaped in you, it is beautiful. Because in the character of Christ, there is this resilience, there's this mercy, the willingness to forgive him and have mercy on her, and, 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 and a kind of a strength that is able to look at the impossible and know that there is a miraculous something that can yet happen. I mean, that's all in the character of Christ. It's profoundly good when it's shaped in you. I want to see more of the character of Christ in you. It comes through abiding. Another reason why the abiding life is so valuable is because there is an increase in purity that comes as you abide in Christ. Purity, that, that beautiful thing that happens when self-control increases and there's more of, 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 the, of the goodness of God flowing through and less of the shady stuff taking place. So there's less guilt there's less shame. There's less harm done to people because the purity quotient is on the rise. Man, it's so good when somebody spends time abiding in Christ because purity is on the rise. And the abiding life is valuable because as you abide in Christ, the power 
of Jesus rises up in you. Powerful. The abiding life is a powerful life because as you abide, all of the strength of God, all of the courage from your heavenly Father just comes into your spirit and then through your life, there's power to take on the challenges of this life. There's power to go after the goals and accomplish the dreams. There's power to make a dent in this world for the goodness of God. And and this is what you're made for, a powerful life, but it comes from abiding and, and the abiding life is valuable because gratitude comes from the person who's been abiding. The alternative is an arrogance that's ugly to everybody. But when you're abiding, you begin to recognize great things are happening. It's because of the great one who I'm attached to and how he's flowing through my life. And so, God, thank you. God, thank you. God, thank you. You know what it's like to work for a boss who has a God, thank you kind of a disposition? It's glorious. The world needs more bosses like that, more bosses who spend time abiding in Christ so that you bring a a gratitude to the enterprise that is healthy for everybody involved. This is the value of the abiding life. And, And so we are made to establish or build our lives on a rhythm of reconnection to our Redeemer. And and I'm saying Redeemer because it's who he is. It's one of the names in Scripture for our God, the one who redeems us. That is, he looks at every single one of us and sees the inherent value that he's created in us and says over you, she's worth it. She's worthwhile. He's valuable to me. I must redeem her. I must redeem him. He is the redeemer. And when you build your life on a rhythm of reconnection with the redeemer, you become strong. You become healthy. You become one who brings God's goodness and glory into this world. So let me share with you seven ways that you can build your life on a rhythm of reconnection with the redeemer. You want to abide in Jesus? want to build your life on a rhythm of reconnection, then repent. Start there. Repent. Repent of any sin in your life any time it shows up. I think about this. I think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And when they sinned, what it caused was a knee-jerk reaction inside of Adam and Eve to run and hide from God. That's the opposite of reconnecting with the Redeemer. So so repent. You want to abide, live the abiding life? Then repent of sin whenever it shows up. What this looks like for me is whenever I find myself crossing any line of any kind, instead of saying, well, I really messed up, I better just get away from God. Instead, I turn to my God and I say, God, I have crossed the line and I have messed up. I have sinned. Would you forgive me? And you know what his answer is every time? His answer is, yes, I forgive you. Come over here. Let me wrap my arms of love around you. My son paid such a great price so that you could be forgiven whenever you would confess your sin and call out on my name. So repent. Repent. It's so good. It brings so much refreshing, it brings cleansing, it brings freedom, and and it's part of abiding. The abiding life, it is founded on on repentance first and foremost, turning around and saying, God, you are right. I, I missed it, but God, you're right. That's the essence of it. So repent. Number two, rest in God's provision. You want to live the abiding life? Then rest in God's provision. What I've noticed is that for so many of us, 
when we find ourselves getting worked up inside around, how am I going to make it? How am I going to pay the bills? Am I going to have enough? That enough question gives us anxiety, and it causes us to experience a distance from God, because in our God, there is no anxiousness. There is no lack whatsoever. There is abundance. And so to re reconnect with my Redeemer, I need to rest in his provision. God, I believe you got me. God, I believe that you will provide for me. God, I trust you. Rest in his provision. And number three, Receive all that the vine has for you. You want to live the abiding life? Receive all that the vine has for you. I mean, Jesus said it. I'm the vine. You're the branch. And the vine carries all of the nutrients that are possibly needed for the branch to do whatever it's going to do. Make a tomato or a grape or a zucchini. <laughs> it all comes from the vine. And you and me, we need to receive all that the vine has for us. All of the love. All of the hope all of the peace, all of the strength, all of the mercy and forgiveness, all of the perspective, all of the light, all of the fire, all that we need, receive it. And what that looks like practically is taking some time throughout your day and to simply breathe in and say, I receive the peace of God right now. I receive wisdom from heaven right now, in this moment, right here. I mean, that's what it's about. That's the abiding life. And number four, if I'm going to live the abiding life, I need to reject my spirit of self-reliance. Reject my spirit of self-reliance. There's something inside of so many of us that it just says, well, I have to make it happen. It's all up to me. But remember the words of Jesus. You're the vine. You're, you're the branch. I'm the vine, he said. His words, in fact, were... Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's not just a church thing. That includes what goes on in your business. That includes what's going to happen in the classroom where you teach. That includes what's going to go on in the studio. That happened. I mean, it's all of that. And he says, yeah, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me, it's going to be there. You're going to have what you need. You're going to experience that unforced rhythm, that flow that is life-giving. And the fruit's going to be produced. The things that you are made to do in this world, it's going to flow through you. It's what you're made for. And then number five, you want to live the abiding life? Then read his word. Read his word. I mean, Jesus said it, right? He said, if my words remain in you, <laughs> right? And so you should expect that I would say, read your Bible. And you know what? I think a lot of us would say, yeah, thumbs up, read the Bible. Great idea. I have a Bible at home. It sits on my nightstand. It's there. But my question is, are you reading it? I mean, really? I think a healthy rhythm of reconnecting with your Redeemer includes this. Every day, this, taking those 15, 20, whatever, 30 minutes, if you could, an hour, whatever, five minutes, I mean, what, whatever you can bring to it to say, God, here, speak to me. Please do this. If you don't have a rhythm in your life where you read God's word, would you put it in place? And I would encourage you to consider going old school. Here's why. I mean, I think you can do well on the Bible app. It's got its place. But what I find is that this thing is a gateway to all kinds of whatever else. 
And there's something about this. It's not a gateway to anything else but God, what do you have to say to me? There's no flashing red dots going, look at me, look at me. No, it's just his word. So read his word, because Jesus said it. If my words would remain in you, then watch what I'll do through your life. So, so let me challenge you to make sure you have a rhythm of life where every day you're saying, all right, God, speak to me. If you've never really done this much before, start in the book of Psalms. Or maybe Proverbs. That's a good place to begin, good as anywhere. This one, Gospel of John. Put that into your rhythm of your life, of abiding. And then number six, tune in on the transitions. Here's what I mean. I I think it's possible to live a life of reconnection with the Redeemer where you're you're always aware of his presence. And, And yet at the same time, for a lot of us, it just helps to have something practical. So think about your day. In your day, you have all of these natural transition moments. Like, for example, the transition that happens when you shut your garage door and you sit down in your car. It's a transition moment. What if you took advantage of that transition, every one of those main transitions, and said, I'm going to let this transition be a moment where I tune into God. 60 seconds. I'm sitting in my car. Before I leave the driveway, God, I know you love me, and I believe you're going to give me strength for everything I've got to do today. Transition. Another transition, you probably have some some meetings that you do at at your job, at your work, and and maybe part of tuning in in the transitions would be, right before I go into that that room where that meeting is, I'm going to take 50 seconds in the hallway before I open the door to just say, God, wisdom and solutions come from you. And as I go into that meeting, I'm believing you to shine the light on everything that we need to see. (laughs) Transitions, when you're having a meal. I know it's a little bit old school, but before you eat, take the transition as an opportunity to tune in to the Lord God who gives everything and say, God, thank you I get to eat. Thank you I have food. I mean, I know it sounds old school, but sometimes those rhythms, you drive back into your driveway at the end of your day, and and, and it's a transition moment. Sit there for 60 seconds in your car. Take a deep breath. God, I surrender to you all the stress of the day, all of the difficult moments I had with some people, all of the unanswered questions that we still didn't find an answer to yet. God, I surrender that all to you, and I I receive your your calm, your joy to go into my my house with. (laughs) And then that transition, you've tuned into God. There's something about that transition, the transition right before you lay your head on your pillow at the end of the day to just say, God, you've been with me throughout this day. I've tuned in at every transition, and I'm grateful that I wasn't alone. I'm grateful that I can anticipate your newness tomorrow. Give me peace as I sleep. Do you see what the value could be of of tuning in in the transitions? It's part of an an abiding life. And then lastly, number seven, if you were keeping count, break out and breathe in. Break out. Break out of the routine. Some of us uh, can get to a point with our spiritual rhythm where we pride ourselves on our routines. I do it every day. Every single day, four chapters, boom, 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 and then I pray for 45 seconds, and then I'm done. You know, but the goal was never to, to, to repeat the routine. The goal is to reconnect with your Redeemer. So maybe you need to break out 
and breathe in. Break out of the routine and say, you know what? Instead of my four chapters in 50 seconds or whatever it was, you know, maybe I'm going to do a prayer walk every day, something I've never done before, and just walk around my neighborhood and pray as I walk in the dark before work. Try it. See how God meets you when you break out of the routine that got real familiar. Sometimes we need the fresh wind to blow, and the choice to break out is how we're going to get there. Jesus said in verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus wants you and I to be able to build our lives on a rhythm of reconnection with him as our redeemer so that we can be fruitful, so we can do all the stuff that's in our hearts to do in this world so that we can make the kind of difference that we've been uniquely designed by God to make, so that we can be productive in in the ways that we've been dreaming of. But but it all starts with this rhythm of reconnection. It all starts with be with him, sent out by him. So let's be the people who enter into that rhythm. Sound good? Let's pray together for a moment. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the clarity of what you envisioned for us. Jesus, you used that word remain or abide seven times in this one little section of scripture, and I think it means something to you. And so it's got to mean something to us, too, that there would be a rhythm about our lives of reconnecting with you so that we're more and more abiding in you, more and more remaining in you. And so, God, I pray for a a supernatural, spiritual rhythm reset right now for a whole bunch of us. I mean, the truth is, probably a good number of us have gotten a little bit out of sync, you know, and it's all right. God is able to help us to come back to the right kind of rhythm. Today's a new day. He's willing to make all things new, including even the rhythms in your own life. And, and if you would say with me, I think I've gotten a little out of rhythm, and I need a rhythm reset where I'm really reconnecting more with my Redeemer. If, if that would be true for you, would you just join me? Just raise your hand as a way of saying, I need God to help me reset the rhythm in my life. Just raise it up while we're praying together. A whole bunch of us. Thank you for the honesty of that. That's great. And while we're raising our hands, God, would you do this in our lives? Would you help us to have a spiritual reset in this rhythm? And forgive us, God, for where we've kind of gotten way out of, out of sorts. <laughs> God, would you bring us back to that place where we're truly reconnecting with you, abiding in you more and more, whether it's in the transitions around the day or whether it's in that purposeful time in your presence in the morning or at night or walking around the block. God, I pray that you'd meet us in new rhythms in our life of reconnecting with you. You can lower your hand. If you're here today and you would say, this is, wait, this is just all new for me. And your, your real question is, I don't even know, who, who is Jesus? <laughs> Let me just tell you, he, he is the redeemer. He is the one who paid the price for you to be able to be lifted up out of sin and shame and guilt and given a second chance and the gift of salvation. That's who Jesus is, the redeemer. And what Jesus is looking for is for your willingness to say yes to what he offers you the gift of his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, his redeeming hand. And so for, for all of us who would say we are believers, there's a point in time where we kind of woke up and said, Jesus, I need you. 
and I believe in you. And maybe for someone who's here today, that moment's happening for you right now. And if it is, if you would say earnestly, you know what, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to start following Jesus. Right now, would you just raise your hand? That's a way of acknowledging, I need Jesus. I need to start this life with Jesus. And I want to ask him to forgive me and save me. I want you to just raise your hand and let it be known. Right over there in the back. That's great. From the back and the side. Thank you. Who else? I want to make sure I don't miss you. And my right, if you're there, I want you to raise it high. Let me connect with you so we can pray. Okay, a couple of you in right there in the middle. Thank you. Just pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. That's where we all start. It's real simple. <laughs> Just do it. Just start right there. Just say it from your spirit. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe. I believe that you paid the price so I could be forgiven. Would you forgive me and save me? That's it. It all starts right there. Everybody take a nice deep breath, just a big old breath, and then let a nice sigh out. <laughs> and that feel good? That's the unforced rhythm that God's taken each one of us into. So let's stand to our feet. God, thank you for giving us clarity through your word about how to really live. And now, would you empower us by your spirit to walk it out with you? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Keep that unforced rhythm. <laughs>